welcome to the Autodidactic Human, a place where the learning never stops. Here, where you can gain vital knowledge of perspectives and events, even outside of a classroom. Here, we can shape, grow, and reflect. So this one, I'm going a little bit more impromptu on, simply just because it's mostly about a conversation I had with someone last night, one of my coworkers. And mind you, the conversation itself isn't necessarily the point of topic because it covered a lot of different things. Uh, really, what it's about is like, I guess for the first time, I kind of, it's for the first time I've recognized that if I was talking to somebody who had a very strong conservative view, a very young person with that strong conservative view. But what gets me is the awareness of like why these views are donned. You see, in some cases, I guess, I don't know, it, what, it's just where it's hitting me is that if you do not carry an awareness of why certain aspects in our society go on, then you tend to don these certain principles and these idioms about these phenomenon with, because of that, you know, is because without thinking. And for example, for part of this conversation that I like think about, it's like there's a lot of things that I actually cover in this podcast that was top, that was basically kind of a topic here in the realms of the conversation I carried with this guy. But one of these at the really big at the big instance was homelessness. And the point of view from this end, uh, from like my coworker's end, was that certain people deserve to be homeless. You know, people who've, who are drug addicts and do hard drugs or people who, you know, are pedophiles, things like that, of the things of a generally demeaning or lower grade nature, those people deserve to be homeless. And this was an encounter of me basically feeling or having a statement about like how no one deserves to be homeless. And that's coming from a person who spent years in that position coming from a person who's seen a lot, of, who understands, I guess, a lot of what happens when it comes to homelessness. And yet again, what's intriguing is that you're speaking to the person that is enacting the very principles that you're talking about. Because what's interesting is that when I speak about my, how I got ended up homeless and what my situation was, I got met with, well, you're different. And the way that hits me is not in a congratulatory way. A way that hits me doesn't hit me in a way that makes me feel like, well, I'm proud of how I ended up being homeless. No. Why it hits me that way is the same. It hits me in the same way as someone telling me that I'm one of the good black people. You see? That I'm one of the I'm one of the oh, nice ones. I'm one of the good ones. Because what that tells me, the way that hits me, and what that what that means is when I tell you that it hits me is that it hits me in the way of like you don't really care about this demographic in general until someone comes forth to prove yourself to prove themselves to you about the uniqueness of their situation despite being a part of that demographic and to me that's hard. that that is so inadvertently and innately judgmental as a standpoint that it's hard to recognize for a lot of and I and I honestly feel like this is 
I, you know, and shout it if you will at me, but like, I honestly feel like this is primarily an issue with a lot of like white men in particular, which, you know, of course, this is definitely, if I went any further to elaborate, you probably would get the idea. Um, but the reason why I say this, and I don't mean that to be at a pointed, at a pointed ratio, I just find that this is the most common occurrence in these viewpoints and these hard judgmental viewpoints, I find to mostly be just in generally amongst white people. But white men tend to have the more aggressive form of this. Um, I want to say, I really, I want to call it an emotional disconnect about how the principles that are being held on to that are supposed to be morally, at you know, uh, I would say morally aligned are oftentimes lined with these hard, violent, judgmental opinions about how this works um for an example it's the nature of deserving homelessness because you're a drug addict or you're a person that makes bad decisions because in that perspective it feels like well i do all the right things because i'm not homeless and yet you know even now i don't make the decisions that don't put me in this position and that honestly makes me better than these people and why this all kind of hits me in the wrong way is because I am not a unique situation to homelessness. I'm not. Because what doesn't make my situation unique is not the specificity of why I ended up homeless. It's the fact that once you fall out, you fall out. And it honestly doesn't matter how you fall out. Because no one on the street is literally going to ask you why you're there. Especially if you're holding up a sign, what the likelihood of someone being like, well, what's your story? How did you end up here? And besides, why would you want to answer that to a stranger? Because honestly, when people are going to approach you with this to try to ask your story, nine times out of 10, it's because they want to judge you for it. They want to say that they're still better. Like, how? wow, you did make some messed up choices to put yourself where you are. That's essentially why you're trying to get the, why they're getting the story. It is to try to elaborate on that. So you don't really trust the notion of somebody who's actually trying to tell you about their story. So the perception of what happens with homelessness and the perception of what happens outside of that, always two different things. And the view from the outside is so much more violent naturally, it seems, just because everyone wants to believe that. If you're outside, it's because you are a bad person, because you do not have the cap capability of being in our social realms. And I'm like, okay, well, how about this perspective? Because to me, I see homelessness as, the, as what we call our acceptable bottom line. Because we believe that if, if we, homelessness exists as a system, then what we believe in is that people deserve to be there. And that it doesn't matter who you are, regardless of who you are, this is what everyone deserves. If you don't do the right thing, this is what you deserve. And whatever the right thing, quote unquote, maybe, because that perception is gone, because of the, what the right thing is, is uh, basically paying your bills and going to work all the time. And on that subject, this is something that also kind of really tears at me about the same conversation. And it was in the nature of like, what about work? What happens when 
we actually work for something other than trying to maintain our daily lives every day. Because if we don't work, you don't have money. And if we don't have money, we forfeit our lives. And we equate that to being all right. But imagine for five seconds that you had nothing, that that wasn't your life to live. That you did not have to work for money anymore. That you had everything provided for that your basic necessities were provided for, and you had the freedom to essentially explore whatever it was that your that your heart's desires. What saddened me to death was that the response I got was that that would be a boring life, because essentially you would just accomplish everything that there was for you to set out to do, and that you would become bored and you'd kill yourself, because that's what celebrities do. And there would be nothing to work for. Because you just act like a spoiled child all the time. Man, I feel like that's a projection of stuff (laughs) when I hear stuff like that. Because, like, if you've already kind of lived a life where you... Because if you've already lived a life on the other side of things where you've never had things provided for you, then this vibe always satiating or this, you know, getting what you want. Like, that's a notion that's so far off that it almost feels like you'll never get there. But from the other end of this perspective, if you've always received certain things that you've always wanted, then the perspective of how to achieve those things or how to receive those on your on one's own are also kind of out of scope, you know, because you may have worked for them, but you may have worked for them on someone else's resources or on their terms, like having the rich parents that bought you a car, you know, because you did what your parents asked you to do. And by fulfilling their their needs... They bought you. They made that purchase. And mind you, you had a direct transaction in that. That's not saying or not accounting for that being work. But versus the person who had no financial backing, had no financial incentive other than literally the pure means of survival, that achieves this, that works for this car, kind of also begins to develop the value or the nature of this car all in and of itself, you know. What hits me about this conversation is coming from a person who has had that need met and has had that need met based on those prior parameters that it meant. And not, mind you, I don't think that any of that doesn't equate to physical work because I know that this person had to work to get to where they are. So it's not that. It's about the value of what they got to me about the value of what they see that they have and the value of living every day for those things because life to me isn't about accumulating stuff life it isn't about checking off a list of achievements and then once you've done there's nothing else to live for and that somehow based on this logic if we're always vying for something to need always vying for our day-to-day struggles somehow gives us a sense of worth ethic and a sense of achievement Though it keeps us from our dreams, somehow it also feeds them. I don't necessarily see that to be the case. I find that to be a little bit more of the opposite of the case, to be honest. And yet, even of itself, if, if, if work, if the nature of employment is the only way you can motivate yourself to get up every day and do something about your life, then I actually don't think that you've tried living just day to day. Because that was actually something, that was really something that homelessness taught me, if I had to be completely and thoroughly honest. Homelessness taught me the day, the daily value of living, day to day. Because when you don't have any other responsibilities other than work, 
and you don't have any of responsibilities and that includes work or school or even having a home because home is a responsibility too it is you have a responsibility to your house you live in it you clean it you organize it you put your stuff in it and going back to it is actually kind of a part of that day-to-day thing you do uh when you don't have that it changes a lot because you don't actually you don't have that draw anymore where where your home is no longer matters because it doesn't belong anywhere it doesn't have a space you know so what it translates to is that you begin to find a place to sleep every day you start thinking about getting food all the time where your food where your next meal is going to come from getting water and where you're going to sleep and that becomes your day-to-day every day and what's unique about that is that those things um, automatically increase in value like 125% beyond statistics, where all of a sudden these three things become your entire MO. And living beyond that almost seems impossible because you don't even know where your next meal is coming from, more or less where money's coming from. So you don't really have the mind to think beyond that. You know, you don't really, because thinking beyond that is a luxury that you're, that you're literally trying to afford yourself at that time period while you're sitting outside, exposed to all the elements, trying to think your way out of that situation right then and there. Of course, it's not going to change it right in that moment. And you can think your way out of so many different things, but without like any of these resources in tow, without any of the resources that a lot of people actually are very critical of by saying that this enables people and makes them lazy without these systems i wouldn't be here i wouldn't survive and then only to hear the same people that called my homelessness an exception would also say that my attitude towards the help that i got was also the exception because many people would rather just live this life than do others oh man that always hits me too you know none of these benefits those programs actually really have any kind of substantial benefits whatsoever like they don't you can't live off of them and they, they're specifically designed this way because of this mentality because of this mentality it literally is because we don't think that people should be able to live off of the system they are not very livable And yet, somehow, amidst all of this perception, we still want to say that the bare minimum that we give is somehow too much. I don't know exactly where we we began to don this principle that we always need to take from ourselves in order to build character, but that stuff has to change. It absolutely has to change. It makes zero sense. If you, it's the same way that I feel like about religion and morality. If you feel like you need religion to build morality, then you are negating, then you are literally ignoring how there are so many different religions that actually also do the same thing. Um, religion is not a requirement, and there are same people that are also able to build morality without the aid of religion. The whole point is that we all do things differently, and we're not really meant to be in the way of hindering all that stuff. But yet we do that constantly in America. And it blows my mind that a lot of people are just sign up for it. Not only sign up for it, but are really gung-ho about it. I want to care about what everybody else is doing. I want to care about the way that person lives. And I want to judge it. And I want to judge it so hard it hurts. I want to judge it so hard that I could I could literally pull out a gun, point it to this person's head, and pull the trigger and feel good about the judgment that I made. That's the society we live in. It's literally the equivalent of a gigantic boot stamping on a human face, and we're cool with it. Blows my mind. 
absolutely blows my mind. We're totally cool with it. We're just like, as long as I'm not the face getting stamped on, or as long as I don't feel like I'm getting the face, I'm the face that's getting stamped on, I'm good with it. But guess what? We all kind of get that tiny little inkling in our country that we're kind of getting stepped on. That's because we signed up to get stepped on. It's because we signed up for the system and we wake up for it every single day thinking that this is literally the only thing we've got. And this is all the stuff I get reminded of whenever I talk to people sometimes. Whenever I see that it's almost like it's just like literally like brainwashing, you know, like it is truly brainwashing to make sure to enable a, a situation even as young as people as teenagers that they develop a judgmental lifestyle and then they always make sure that they judge they have an enemy that they judge another and that they hate this enemy so much that they're willing to pull the trigger and still feel more morally uh, like correct for what they've done blows my mind because hatred is a learned uh, emotion you see in order to really really hate people in order to really hate people you really got to learn to hate people and though there are types of people there are demographics of people that we love that we understand exist uh like um it's what's a hated what's the most hated uh, thing you can think of a pedophile one of the most hated demographics of people the problem is is that they don't look like anybody in particular they don't. You can say that they do, but they don't. In the same way that you can say a serial killer looks like somebody, but they don't. See, these titles, just like a nigger, to me, I'm sorry, it is the same thing to me. It is the exact same thing. You can make a title to disc yourself, disconnect your, yourself from the fact that that is a human being you're talking about. And it's easy to hate a, a faceless human being. But you got to make sure you learn to hate that. Trust me, I don't even, I don't support the act of pedophilia. I don't even like that the fact that that word exists. I don't like that the fact that the act exists. I And trust me, if anybody was there, if anybody was like that, active wet way of my child, I would feel a, a, a very, a, I, would, I acknowledge the fact that I'd feel an anger and a rage hitherto undreamt of in my own body. But mind you, I still wouldn't pull the trigger. I wouldn't. We have a whole judicial system for that. And mind you, whatever it is that we feel like it's corrupted with, that's what we have it for. We do. And mind you, this the, I'm just not good with the nature of putting people to death. Death comes for us all. It always will. And we can put another person to death feeling that we made a world a better place, but people are dying everywhere for no reason at all including this person. I honestly feel that even in my rage and even in my in the depths of what upsets me, the ability to take a step back and to breathe always remains a superpower, regardless of how much rage you feel. Because only in those depths can you actually make a rational decision to me. Anybody who thinks that rational decisions are made from an unemotional state, false. We're emotional beings. We all are. And so we all make our decisions from an emotional state. And to me, the one that is calm, the one that breathes and understands where everything is, where we all are, 
including ourselves in this whole position, is the one that is more than likely going to make the most grounded, logical decision based on another person's life. Because it's not just a one-and-done scenario. It never will be. It's not just an isolated thing all the time. It's not just this one person is special and this other person wasn't. Or this, this one case was so verbatim versus this other case being not so clear-cut. We made a whole judicial system because we understand that we understand that no one person is really truly capable of making judgment for all people we're not good with that because we eventually would call the one person into question about their judgments about their viewpoints their perspectives their morality their emotional states we call into question their very humanity about how they were capable of judging everybody so accurately, so swiftly, and executing them without literally any sense of mercy. Yeah, we'd call a lot of that stuff into question. And I wonder if anybody actually calls that stuff into question now. Um, about their just their own viewpoints their own viewpoints whatsoever. It's like, if you feel that strongly about people, if you feel like there's always somebody to hate, if you feel like there's a demographic you cannot forgive, I wonder. Because, you know, even Jesus said stuff like that. And that actually speaks volumes. He really did. He really did. And I understand that emotionally, we get to these points where we have a hard time reconciling with things. But... Being able to reconcile with something and developing a hatred over that. Hatred requires a personal connection to what is going on, you see. Hatred, like love, is, I feel like, is an alchemized thing. Like, I, I honestly think that, uh, this is a, a small random tangent, I guess, um, but love is a very powerful emotion. I think it is a very all-encompassing emotion that we have. I think that we alchemize love into all of our different emotions, and that includes hatred, because hatred is the same connection to something as love, uh, only we desire to destroy it instead of hold it. Uh, but we want to destroy it with that same sort of thorough uh, acknowledgement. Like, we have to acknowledge it every day. We have to want to hold it and, uh, like, literally hold it to the point of loving it and acknowledging it to the point of almost loving it, only to remember at the very uh, end of the day that we don't want it to exist. Uh, so you have to, like, kind of alchemize love into this very bitter thing uh, at the very end of the day in order to remember that you hate it. Because you have to remember why you hate it. And those reasons have to be very strong and powerful reasons that you regard all of the time. Something you value very, very much, you know, and you just somehow cannot stand to see it in something other than you. Because that's what love is, by the way, love and art. It's the act of seeing yourself in other things. It's the act of seeing things, uh, seeing you in things that are not you. That's what that's what the act of love is, is, is a feeling of connection. And hatred is exactly that antithesis. It is the act of not wanting to see something, uh, not wanting to see us in something. <laughs> we don't want to see it. We do. That's literally what it means. It's like we don't want to see what we, like, honestly, because you have to think about what prejudice has to, what prejudice really is. Like what, what hatred, what the hatred of a particular race of people or any particular demographic of person really is, is the fact that we cannot stand 
that this thing also rep this person this thing also represents us we're upset about that that's where prejudice comes from we're just like i can't believe black people even exist i can't believe that they're even people i can't believe we have them here and that's a reflection we just did not like we you just somehow just cannot accept that there are differences in this world that 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 are they're so they're so vastly different from ourselves that we just we just don't want it to exist we have to eliminate it at all costs because the only thing that should exist is the feelings that we have and the stuff that we live with and all other things shouldn't shouldn't exist man that's a hard feeling to live with i find that to be a very difficult feeling to live with too and if you live with a feeling of hatred then you certainly don't live with the feeling of having your anger under control because now you always have a thing that will make you angry no matter what that thing now controls you because no matter what happens no matter who it is you're just going to be like oh nope can't can't deal with it can't have room for it nope absolutely not so it's really more about warding i guess at the end of the day what this conversation to me on my end what it reminds me of is like ward yourself against creating these hard barriers with people related subjects because the moment you take a person out of the concept of being a person you find yourself easily able to pull the trigger on another human being and that's kind of a hard way to live just hatred is not a really good way to carry yourself uh <laughs> holding that in any capacity it will reflect it really it really will reflect itself like it, it really like if you have any ounce of hatred in your heart for anything it will reflect and i'm not saying that it's not it's impossible to you know like not it have hatred and as much as it is with love it's kind of a two sides of the same coin there are a lot of things that you just can't stand you know that you just don't want to be around so however it is the act of what you do when you're in the midst of it you see because if i if i'm in around something i hate something i really i truly just do not want to be around i leave you see i don't i don't seek to destroy it you know because i don't really like hearing things in a conversation that are judgmental and always want to pit somebody against another and i don't like conversations that like to come that literally say that people should be condemned to a terrible thing just simply because it doesn't morally align with what we think is right you know at, at the end of the day I, I i don't really like hearing those things i don't necessarily think that's the right way to be but am i here to destroy those people and all other ideas that are not me no because i just want to live my life you know and i don't really have to care about what these people feel and i choose that to be my path that if I don't like it, I don't have to surround myself with it. If I don't like it, I don't want to have my world involved with it, you know. And yes, I do. Ex I do acknowledge that it exists in this world, but that's fine. I don't have to mesh with it, and that's the whole point. That is the whole point of finding peace. The whole point. You can accept what is. You can sit with your feelings and accept what is uncomfortable, comfortable, whatever. It's a really big principle they like to teach in yoga about just being able to sit with these feelings and that's at the end of the day that's what this conversation just with my coworker made me want to remind myself as well as everyone to just sit with these feelings instead
Hey, thank you for listening. And if you liked what you heard, go ahead and press whatever like and subscribe button that may be on your content. And I will do my best to get you something on the regular to sort of satiate that. But as I mentioned before, if you have anything that you would like to bring to the table, anything that you wish to share with the rest of us, I totally would appreciate uh, any of that uh, going along. And uh, feel free to send me a message and be a part of the show. Uh, This is what it's about. It's about sharing. It's about learning. It's about gaining perspective. So I always appreciate any perspective that that wishes to be shared. Uh, But yes, I hope you have a very peaceful day. And please... Do me a favor and never stop learning.